0: can count. Oh, and I don't need no college cuz I'm getting amounts. Hey, hop in a whip and I'm out. I need so much I can't count. Oh, and I don't need no Welcome to the roz Project, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family, tech and marketing. My name is Ivan Temelkov and I'm your host. What's in this podcast for you? Here you will grasp life-changing advice to help you level up in every aspect of your life and business to help you reach your goals and dreams and as always All content is 100% real, raw, and um, unfiltered. Today, I'm joined by another guest on the podcast by the name of Cal Wilder, who is extremely passionate about helping small business owners take control of their finances. Cal, how's it going? Great. I'm happy to be with you, Ivan. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. That has to be one of the best bios I think that I've heard in quite a while because it's straight to the point. It's so concise uh, and I love it. So let's start out with, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how did you get into what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm kind of a lifelong learner um, and I've kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship and spent most of my career... Um, running and working and supporting with small businesses of all kinds. And so, you know, I've developed a lot develop of empathy for small business owners because I've seen that too many of them are really struggling. Um, they're not making the kind of money they hope to be making when they started their business. They don't know why that is, and they don't really know what to do about it. Um, and so those are the kinds of business owners we're trying to help. Me personally, when I consult
0: with them and, and my company, when we do it. Awesome. So you mentioned a couple of things that I think a lot of newcomers to the entrepreneurial game don't understand is just that, you know, there really isn't sort of a, a book to success in entrepreneurship. You know, there's a lot of struggles. Um, there's, there's a lot of risks, a lot of sacrifices. You know, there's a lot of failures, really, you know, in entrepreneurship. So, you know, uh, you were talking about, you know, helping businesses and, and entrepreneurs, um, let's talk specifically more about how do you, how do you help those entrepreneurs? You know, what are some ways that you help them uh, help them guide them through the entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, so there's uh, as you said, there's a lot that goes into being an entrepreneur, and I'm focused more on the finance side of things. Although, certainly learned a lot over the years and decades when it comes to marketing and sales and growth and operations management. My career has mostly been in in finance and operations, so that's where I can add the most value to uh, to businesses. Um, and I kind of laid out my approach recently. I've kind of developed it over the last 20 years of working with hundreds of small businesses and realized, you know, there's only so many that I can work with uh, personally right? And I really want to help a lot more of them than I personally can. And so kind of laid out what has been in my head that's been developed over the years into a book called The Financial Operating System. And that's what we use at my company, SmartBooks, when we go in to consult with small businesses. And it's also available, you know, for those who want to kind of self- implement on a do-it-yourself basis. But we go through a proven six-step, six-step process Where business owners first identify why they're in business, what they're trying to accomplish, and then ultimately go through a process and apply, uh, develop and apply some financial metrics and management systems in the business. And then they can monitor their financial performance and actually understand how the business is performing financially. Sometimes this is the first time small businesses have ever really understood how their businesses are performing month after month and kind of been in a position to be able to drive the metrics that, that move them in the direction they want to move.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really, really good because let's face it, a lot of newcomers into the entrepreneurial game <clears throat> are very blind going into this. Uh, things like, you know, capital and cash flow and month over month, year over year growth. And you talked about operations. It's like, you know, most people think that you know I have a strong passion. Most entrepreneurs, and that's going to help you make money. Well, sure it will, but there's a lot more nuances to that than just you know saying you're great at marketing or you're great at business or you're great at sales, right? That's just not that's just not going to cut it. So you talked about the financial operating system, you know, which is a proven process. You know, uh, what specific things you know, or does that system teach? Entrepreneurs, you know, is there anything specific that you focus on, or is it kind of like a blanket approach to, you know, a guidance into uh, entrepreneurship and finances?
1: Yeah, I mean, if we distill it down, the first thing we want to do is have the business owner define what they're trying to accomplish with their business. What does success look like to them? And then we define a set of performance metrics that reflect performance against those objectives. And we measure that and report back on that. And you can iterate and improve and make business decisions geared around those metrics um, that reflect how you're performing against your goals. So ultimately, at its core, there's a lot of focus on metrics and scorecards and reporting. But before we can even get to the point of defining the right metrics for the business, we've got to understand what you're really trying to accomplish? Are you looking to grow the business? Are you looking to eventually be able to sell it? Are you looking to be able to transition it to your children? Is growth really important to you, and you're willing to sacrifice, you know, profitability now? You know, what what are you really trying to accomplish with with the business? How much risk are you willing to take? Right? Are you willing to personally guarantee a bank loan in order to invest in something or buy some assets or is that level of risk just too much for you at this point in your career or your life, right? So it's, it's really getting the business owner to figure out what they really want, first of all, and then we figure out the metrics after that.
0: Sure. Now, that's an excellent point, too, that you mentioned because you said success and growth, and I think that most entrepreneurs, especially new ones that are coming to the game, is they just think that it's about making money and fame, and, and they think that their business is going to skyrocket overnight, not as so far from the reality, Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are some things, some specific ways, you know, that you go about, you know, helping entrepreneurs in terms of, okay, let's say, you know, first you have to define what the success means. Let's say you want to make a lot of money, right? Which is what the vast majority of entrepreneurs want is they just want more money, right? Is how do I get the quickest route from zero to a hundred? So what are some tips, what are some tricks maybe, or insights that you can share from your experience on, hey, I want to make a lot of money, so how do I go about doing that?
1: Yeah, so make a lot of money, that really means you want to make a lot of profit, right? So first, you've got to understand the difference between sales and profit and cash flow, because ultimately, you want cash in your pocket, not reported profit on the income statement. And so kind of understanding the basics of you know what, is, what are the financial statements mean, what's the difference between revenue and, and profit, and then kind of once you get that basic understanding we get into thinking about the strategy in the in the business model and you know i define strategy as the choices that a business makes in the marketplace that are different than the competition that allows them to win market share in their target market against the competition so when you go in the business you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. You know, why is the customer going to buy from you? It's kind of a coin toss, you know, who they're going to work with and you're new mm-hmm. and other people are more established. So there's gotta be a reason why the target market wants to buy from you. So you have got to define what your target market is, what's, you know, different and compelling about your offering versus the competition. And then what do you need to do in order to deliver on that, uh, you know, on that uniqueness and really manage the business around it. So, um, You know, most people who start businesses are, you know, great practitioners or something. They're great at sales. They're great at software development. They've got, uh, they love landscaping. Whatever it is that they love to do, you know, they start the business and they want to do a lot of that. Um, But it's kind of getting them to think about, all right, what's the real business model? What's the strategy? And then once we define that, what are the right metrics that we can use to uh, help assess performance against that strategy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of really interesting things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't take into account. I know certainly uh, I haven't is that and I've seen a lot of other entrepreneurs in the game. Some that have been in it for, you know, a decade now is that you talked about the fact that, you know, being practitioners. So a lot of new entrepreneurs are great practitioners that can execute on things because they have a passion, something that they're very devoted and committed to. Like you said, whether it's you know marketing or whether it's you know a landscaping business or maybe you're a plumber or whatever it might be, right? But the challenge with that is is that there's usually no business model defined to kind of map out what the long term you know a path is going to be. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, at least I've seen this being a very common problem is that they sort of oversee that, you know, there's a lack of investment in that because they're led to believe that if I just execute, if I, if you know, I become the best practitioner of my craft, you know, I'm going to be able to beat my competition and achieve profitability and so on and so forth. But one of the things that you mentioned is this, that you gotta have a plan you know, at some point. And ideally, you got to create that plan when you start. It's kind of what I'm hearing you say, correct?
1: Yeah, or somewhere along the way, whenever you get serious about actually growing the business or becoming more profitable, that can be a catalyst to creating the plan. You might not need a plan if it's just you as a sole proprietor and you're good at your job and people want to hire you. That's great. But when it comes to hiring employees and really growing an enterprise, that's when the plan becomes more important.
0: Mhm yeah yeah absolutely well i'm I'm glad you mentioned that because like I said, a lot of new entrepreneurs you know really make these mistakes. I know I've made a lot of these mistakes um that you just mentioned, and I think it's kind of essential to when you when you start out because you know someone like me is you know very eager I'm very passionate about what I do you know I've been doing it for a long time, but doing it for yourself is always different. you know when you kind of go from a nine to five job you know nearly two decades and then start your own business, like I did, you know, four years ago, is this that as you kind of go through the growth phase, like you said, at some point, you really stop to think, you know, uh, how serious do I want to get about this? You know, like, like, where, where do I want to invest? Or, you know, do I want to just remain a sole proprietor and just keep doing my own thing, which I think there's a lot of that right now. And what's happening in the world, but you know, like you said, if you want to gain market share, you know, if you want to achieve profitability, you know, cash flow positive, and things like that, you know, you really need to uh, look into investing into more of a holistic plan, you know, developing that business model if you haven't developed one. Uh, because let's face it, I think a lot of people talk about nowadays that with social media and digital, how easy it is to start a business, and true, it is. I mean you know, all you have to really be is a little bit tech savvy and also somewhat creative and suddenly you can be creating awareness and interest in the marketplace. But there's a a big difference, like you said, between creating interest and awareness as a sole proprietor versus being able to gain market share and being able to achieve profitability long term as a business, not as a sole proprietor, but when you're hiring employees, your first, your second, third, fourth, and so on. And your business starts growing and suddenly you're like, wait, now I have overhead. Now I have expenses. Now I have software costs. Now I have, you know, uh, administrative t- uh, costs or, or whatnot. So um, one thing that I wanted to ask you is, you know, what, in your opinion, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you have seen in your own experience, you know, entrepreneurs and, and small businesses in the early stages make um, and you know how, do, how have you gone about you know help help helping them guide you know through those challenges?
1: Yeah, it's it's a real tough trade off and balancing act when you're trying to grow the business beyond being a sole proprietor. And so, you know, I've seen so many small business owners get in the hole financially because they've you know they've hired an employee, they've taken office space, they've gotten into long term you know vendor contracts to spend money in advance of sales and too far in advance of sales, and the sales don't materialize at the same rate that they planned, but yet they've committed all of these expenses as if uh, the sales were coming in. And so they start to lose a lot of money. They start to run up credit card debt. They run up their li- They max out their line of credit. They just get in the hole financially. And it's sad, mm-hmm. and it's, it's hard, though. Um, it's really hard to balance um, sales and expense, but that's one of the keys when you start to scale, unless you're fortunate enough to have a a business model with exponential growth that's attractive to investors and angel investors or venture capitalists, then you have, you know, you have a lot of cash in the bank and you can spend a lot in advance of sales. But for most of us and the vast majority Mm -hmm. of small businesses, we're bootstrapping, right? We're probably going without pay to some extent or a below market salary for a while. And, you know, we're sinking a lot of blood, sweat and tears as well as our own money into the business. And so, you know, balancing, you know, where you spend the money, And not Mm -hmm. spending it too far in advance of sales, but at the other end, you often have to spend something to set up some infrastructure to be able to scale. So just balancing the two is is the hardest thing.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a really good point because um, like you said, you know, front loading a lot of that, I think too many entrepreneurs get excited in the beginning. And I feel like, you know, with business, it's, it's a long-term game. You know, you really got to pace yourself. It definitely takes time, a lot of patience, you know, to get to where you want to be a lot of time, a lot of time, because all of that takes time to come to fruition. You know, you have to plan, you have to strategize, you know, from an operational standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a sales standpoint. And you made a very good point that I wanted to touch upon is that, you know, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, you know, small businesses in the beginning, you know, max out line of credit as opposed to kind of like front loading that cash because they're paying for too many things as opposed to really focusing on sales because at face it without sales, you don't have a business. And when you have more sales, then you have access to more cash flow, whether it comes in now or, or later. And that really helps you, you know, from a scalability standpoint. Um, have you seen any specific industries, you know, that, that might have, you know, more opportunities or might be more successful in your experience, you know, that you've worked with versus others.
1: Oh, that's a tough question because so much of it comes down to the specific business and the specific mm. market and the skills of the founder or the founders. So the barriers to entry are certainly much lower in a lot of service businesses. Um, you don't need a lot of capital to start most service businesses. Yeah. So you see a lot of startups in the services space, right? It takes a lot more capital to uh, start a, you know, a construction or a real estate business typically. Um, and so part of it comes down to what are the financial resources of the founders and where do their skills and experience lie, where they're most likely right. to be, be successful.
0: Uh, right. That's a really good point. And the reason I asked is because, you know, I am in a service based industry and I remember three, four years ago when I was starting my businesses that uh, I was looking for, you know, some startup capital. I was looking at some investors, seeing anybody that would be interested in investing into a digital marketing business. And you're probably person number, I don't know, 100,568 that kind of validated the fact that, you know, you don't need really. You know any capital like you said the barrier of entry is so low and that's why i asked the question because i think uh, a lot of different industries and verticals really vary in terms of barrier of entry in terms of how much upfront cash flow that you need i think that's the beauty about at least for you know like the marketing space is that you know there's a zero to very little upfront investment you know, as long as you have that technical agility and creativity, you know, and, of course, seasonality and experience that can really contribute to, hey, I can really get this going with little or nothing. But at some point, nonetheless, because I've thought about this, you know, now also having a full-time employee is that, all right, I'm scaling. I'm wanting to grow the business. Now, hence why I asked the question a little bit ago is just that at what point does it make sense to really start thinking about like the long-term in- investment and the planning and, and the business model. Because, you know, uh, if, if I want to grow, then I know at some point I need to look into doing something like that. Because, you know, uh, I, I look at family, for instance, or, or, you know, other people I've worked with in the past in my agency days specifically. And, you know, I've seen those guys, you know, make those mistakes. Like they didn't plan. They even 10 years in and You know, they're making millions of dollars per year and, you know, they have maybe 10, 20, 30 employees, 40, 50 or more, you know, and they still really haven't kind of invested into this um, holistic approach, you know, to to define the business model uh, simply because I don't know if it's a lack of, you know, seeing the value in it or what. But the one thing I've noticed is is that it has become very costly for them to operate as a business uh, because they don't really have like the pillars defined. And they really never invested into it. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of small businesses specifically fail to understand is just that if you don't establish those pillars like you talked about, you know, the operational side and the financial side, you know, to help you scale, then it's it's gonna take a long period of time before you actually, you know, bring a business to cash flow positive. And that's why I think, you know, I'm thinking of a specific former boss of mine you know, that does about 15 million per year um, with his agency and they're global, right? And, and they're doing far, fairly well, but it took 10 years to get, you know, to this point. And I think it's because you never really invested into what you were talking about is like a financial operating system and mapping out the path and understanding that, you know what, you have to invest in this for the long-term success of your business. Because if you don't, then it's actually going to be more costly for you in the long term.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, the other thing that I see, and I've made this mistake myself many times, is mm-hmm. trying to do too many things for too many different kinds of clients and not having that focus. So you, we can spread ourselves really thin, trying to do all different kinds of services for all different kinds of clients and all different kinds of industries. You might be really smart and you can figure out how to do that, but when you hire a team and you try to standardize the operations the whole company is not as agile and flexible and probably smart as you as the founder. Um, And so the need to standardize is key to being able to scale. So it becomes repeatable and scalable and every project is not its own snowflake. And so that's, you know, definitely ties straight back into the financial metrics because if to the extent the operations are, you know, not standardized, then it becomes a lot more expensive to manage and, and deliver and, quality control and, and all of that.
0: Sure. You know, you mentioned one thing that actually I wanted to touch upon is just that being selective about your client base. And that's ultimately what I personally am going through right now is just because I know in the four years, you know, there's been a lot that I have learned a lot. And, and, and I guess I've in a way been fortunate enough that, you know, my father is also a fellow entrepreneur who runs a business and he's kind of, you know, learned through the school of hard knocks, so to speak you know, and um, as you were pointing out, pointing out specifically being selective about your clients, because nowadays I really hyper-focus on that. I look for certain qualities and traits. Um, It's usually... Uh, Clients that, you know, I can build likability with clients that, you know, uh, see value in what I have to offer that's specifically applicable to their own unique problems, not just any problem, because I think every business has a unique set of problems Um, and also being able to build that trust. These are ultimately the three things you know, that that I've kind of mapped out is likability, trust, and value. The fourth one, of course, is persuasion because (laughs) you still have to persuade people, you know, to do business with you. But I think that, you know, if likability and trust and value are established, and that has been proven actually over the last two years based on the types of clients that I attracted. And that really got me thinking back to what you were saying is that, you know, not everyone's going to be your client. You don't want everybody to be your client. But I think that in the early days as an entrepreneur, as a small business, you know, you're thinking cash flow, you're thinking, where's money going to come from? So you're kind of like a little bit desperate about. Yes, okay, you're I'm not very picky. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're not, and let's face it, it's slim picking in the beginning because, you know, like you said, in the service, especially in the service-based industry, you know, most most companies don't see capital, upfront capital for operational purposes, Right. Some do, but it's a very, very small percentage. And so you're kind of like going out there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to build a huge client base and that's going to bring me cash flow. And that's actually, I've learned that to be a, a very ineffective way of doing it because when you attract everybody, then you're spreading yourself too thin because not everybody's going to see value in what you have to offer. And so long-term, that's exactly what I'm focusing on is just that you know, I would rather have you know, less than a handful of clients they're very dedicated, very focused, they understand the importance of long-term investment, They have more than two hands full of client and have a lot of hand holding and feel like I have to sell them every single day so they can see the value in what I have to offer. And and I've been there before. I've been there before. Like whether it's someone that said, Hey, can you help me with With social media or or building a website or uh, paid advertising. It's like, yeah, great. I'll help you. Then you get into the actual, you know, work and then you find out a month into it, you're like, well, shit, like this really isn't a good fit, you know, like it's like a million questions. And so it really kind of borderlines with the profitability because if you're spending too much time on communication, project management and not enough time on execution, that it's taken away from you being able to chip away at, you know, that promise that you've made, that scope of work that you've made to a client. And that has been a hard, hard lesson that I have learned. And so it was very interesting. You mentioned that, you know, it's not everyone, you know, uh, will be your client, nor do you want everybody to be your client. Um, Well, Cal, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation. You mentioned so many different things here, you know, that entrepreneurs, that are early in the game you know that need to consider you know the long-term benefit you also talked about the importance of having a team you know someone like you and your team that can come in that has seasonality and experience in a proven system such as the financial operating system you know to help guide them for long-term success um before we sign off you know let's throw out some links Uh, social handles, what's the best way um, for listeners to uh, connect with you out there?
1: Yeah, so probably the number one way is to visit my company's website, smartbooks.com. And there's a link there for a free consultation. Certainly, you can put my name in there if you want to talk to me personally. And we'll figure out what you need and how smartbooks may be able to help guide you through getting control over your business finances. Or even if we're not a fit at smartbooks, we can point you in the right direction.
0: Awesome. Kyle, man, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and sharing all the great insight, you know, that is 100% applicable to any small business, really.
1: Great. Well, thank you, Ivan. It's been Great speaking with you. I think I'm staying around.
0: What is they talking about? They know I've been in the lab. Yeah. Bro, what they are going now? I got a money it's inside. They want to ask why I been why in 2018, they still hate it. I see him now they I
1: switched sides.